we end up having the ability to provide a platform for discovery and through that can really help to build cultural connections. Welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about the big picture, the purpose, and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm your host, Lance Chung, Editor-in-Chief of Bay Street Bull, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from one another, the question remains the same. What's your mission? Travel is back, and as people get more accustomed to wandering to places near and far, there's a larger conversation at play around how travel influences and is influenced by culture and community. Of course, where we stay is a big part of that conversation. If we organize the utility of a hotel into something like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, at the most fundamental level, a hotel serves as a place of shelter, a place to rest our heads and recuperate. But as we move up that pyramid, its role changes. Brad Wilson is the CEO and co-partner of Ace Hotel Group and the brand's in-house creative agency, Atelier Ace. If you're not familiar with the brand, they're a group of hotels known for their charm, collaboration, and whimsicality, choosing to open new locations in cities that serve as hubs of innovation and art. In his opinion, today's leading hotels serve not just as a place of room and board, but as destinations for discovery and curiosity that facilitate cultural communion. On the heels of their first foray into Canada, I sat down with Brad to talk about good hospitality, how hotels bring community together, and of course, the Ace Hotel Toronto. Enjoy. Good morning, Brad. How are you? Good. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. I'm so happy that we're chatting. Um, it's a little bit of a rainy day in Toronto, but I think our city needs it to wash away some of the heat that we've been having. Um, and, you know, to welcome you back into the city. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, have a home in the in the desert of California, so I, <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess to start, I mean, when you I'm curious when you check into a room, whether it's at the Ace or in a different property where there, you know, an Ace has not opened up yet. Which aspect of the room do you usually most appreciate first? Like, what do you look for first as an indicator of a good experience ahead? Oh, of a guest room itself. Yeah, a hotel room that you're staying in. An interesting question. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I mean, look, I think today hotels are largely judged by design, right? So the design of a, of a space is most impactful initially. Uh, you will get into the quality of the bed and all of these kind of things as you get into a room, but your first impact is inevitably going to be the color, the, the materials, the the form of that space and the design of that space. So we definitely feel that there has to be from the beginning an experience that's sort of designed. Now in our in our approach, what we try and do is really make the, the space feel residential, make it feel unique. We believe that there's luxury in rarity. So having it not feel commercial and like all the other hotels you've ever seen is critical to us. We want you to walk into our guest room and feel like you've kind of discovered something as opposed to like, oh, it's another hotel. 
Yeah. And is that the standard that you judge everything against when you're visiting an, uh, you know, another city that where there is no ACE property? Yeah, I think for me it is. And um, I probably have a bias, obviously, but <laughs> to me, I would rather have something that's unique and interesting that somebody's really thought about than just the same old beige luxury that you see everywhere. And it's it's really special if it actually has a little, you know, connection to where you are. If if you drop down in a foreign city, you want to feel like you're part of that city, not that it, you just in the international beige. <laughs> yeah, international beige. I like that. That's the maybe we'll see that as a Pantone color one year. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And you want to be able to feel like you're immersed in the city that you're in and the culture that you're in. Also, for me personally, I find that like the bathroom is such a reflection of the experience you're going to have in in a hotel room and just how nice is the shower? I'm not even a bathtub kind of guy, but if I see a huge soaker tub, I'm going to like find an opportunity to use it. I just find the the bathroom is just such a almost like a litmus test of how I feel like the rest of my hotel ex- hotel room experience is going to go. Well, I actually think you're not un- unusual in that. And I think the <laughs> has identified the fact that the hotel room um, luxury is in many ways defined by the bathroom experience, you know, in the old traditional hotels, the bathroom was sort of very efficient. You could fit a toilet, a shower, and a sink, and boom. Um, and now you see a much larger percentage of the square footage of guest rooms really being devoted to the bathroom and people playing on how to make that bathroom special. We, we actually, in many of our hotels, have kind of like looked at how you break down the bathroom and how people use a bathroom and how you can make it feel more luxurious. I'd rather have a larger shower and less, you know, floor space, door clearance space, which in traditional hotels, I think are important. Everything seems like doors are swinging in every direction. (laughs) Yeah. And so even we find that like in some hotels where we've really pulled the, the sink out of the bathroom so that like, if you have two people getting ready, somebody can be showering, but somebody can still use the mirror. Those kind of things really end up being very functional as well as luxurious. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree 100%. And you travel a lot for your your work. Um, you just flew into Toronto again the other day. How many trips do you think you've been on like this year alone? Wow. Um, I probably can't remember the exact number, but also, as you know, we, we've just opened hotels in Ace, the Ace Hotel in Kyoto, in Kyoto, Japan. We opened the Ace Hotel in Sydney, in Sydney, Australia. Um, obviously here in Toronto, back home in Brooklyn, our trips are constant and frequent. I probably travel about 75% of my time. Wow. And so I, I live on airplanes and I don't, I mean, I frequently obviously get to stay in our own hotels, but a lot of times I looking at sites and new markets and all that kind of stuff. So I get to stay at a lot of hotels and experience, you know, a lot of different hotels approach to hospitality. I love it. I've always traveled. I love traveling. Um, I find it interesting. I'm always learning new things. So yeah, yeah. And when you're away from home so often, do you like to bring anything with you to make yourself feel more at home when you're staying in you know different rooms and in different cities? It's funny because that one is yes, my pajamas, and then that sounds mm. really. I um, have kind of little sweatpants, shorts, and t-shirt kind of combo that I like to sleep in and it always makes me feel at home. So that's kind of my quick home home cure. Yeah, it's simple comforts. 
flight. It's funny because in my way to Toronto, when I got off at Pearson through the immigrations, a woman comes up to me and she says, I've been watching you and I want to travel like you. And I'm like, what? And she's like, I just love the way you're just like casual about it and you're traveling, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And I, I guess that's true. I learned traveling light makes travel far less stressful. So I was saying today, like, I only have my iPhone. That's like my tool. I don't have laptops and, and all these other things. Um, single device and a power cord and I'm off. So yeah, those are major goals even for me too. <laughs> well, speaking of good hotel experiences, we're here in Toronto and you just opened up your first Canadian Ace Hotel property, the Ace Hotel Toronto. Congratulations. How does it feel now that it's finally out in the universe and it's open, the scaffolding has come off and, and people are enjoying the space? Well, I think this one for us particularly is is an amazing property to be able to unpick because of COVID and, and all that, the delays were long. So it's been a five, six year project for us. But more than that, I think it's a monumental building. And so we worked um, with Shim Sutcliffe, a local Toronto architect, to really create a building that I think really adds to the fabric of Toronto. It certainly starts with a lot of the elements, the materiality of original Toronto uh, buildings, whether it be the brick from warehouses, or the black and steel of more durable sites. But definitely what you find in the hotel is something that's very unique and hasn't been done. It's a very interesting combination of intimacy and grandeur um, in modern architecture that I don't think you really see or experience elsewhere. Yeah, it is. It is like an interesting kind of dichotomy there, because when you go into the lobby bar, for example, there is this kind of like this vast openness of the kind of like atrium, but it still feels very cozy, almost like you're in like a living room at your like best friend's house or something, you know, and just joining them for a drink. Yeah, exactly. So and I think that's something that the project Shim Sutcliffe's architecture kind of partnered with Atelier Ace's interiors has really created this unique thing where as you say, you can be very intimate when you're floating in space. Literally a tray that Jim Sutcliffe has hung over the, the grand space. And yet you do honestly feel like you're in your own living room having a cocktail with really good service. Yes, I've already had a few drinks in the lobby and, and a, many, a handful of good nights there already. So it's, it's a, a really wonderful addition to the city, especially because we've really experienced this kind of hotel renaissance where we've had not only um, you know a bunch of new hotels open up, but a lot of existing establishments renovate and update their spaces. And there's almost this culture now of like being able to go to a hotel bar and, or a restaurant and just kind of like the, the energy is different because you're just surrounded by both locals and international travelers as well. And it's just a nice feeling. And also the building itself, you know, when we had our coffee earlier, it, I think it's such a great addition because Toronto, I don't know if you've noticed all the cranes and everything, but it's just such a city full of glass. And we, we need more buildings that are architecturally distinct and have a point of view that are not made, you know, entirely out of glass and have made out of materials that look like they're meant to last and be here for a long time, you know? So I, I think it's a great addition to it. And it's also right down from the street from my office. Ah, good. Well, that's convenient. Um, <laughs> I Subtly, part of our intent is actually to, you know, give Shim Sutcliffe sort of a platform 
uh, to kind of show what can be done in architecture in the city and really celebrate that. And I think um, they've done a great job of like engaging the city um, and the building department and all of that kind of stuff and showing them some of what we've done and challenging them to kind of say like, this is a fair expectation of our city and, and how to move forward and begin to build. Because as you say, there is so much construction here and each of these is an opportunity to build a new city and, a, and you know, a, a stronger city. So I think the building does stand for some of that. Absolutely. If we zoom out a little bit, what role do you think the modern hotel has in the community today, aside from being, you know, a place of room and board uh, and its utility, what role and what does it symbolize in the community now? Well, and I think that probably is something that we've spent a lot of time thinking about. And right back to our original roots, um, when we opened our first hotel, we really saw it as a community hub and how to bring people together, both visitors and primarily uh, people of the city to build culture. So we've always taken the approach of, we build for everyone, not for hotel guests, but for everyone. And we really want to invite people into the hotel, you know, to develop that kind of cultural exchange and, and hub and conversation space and all of that kind of stuff. So we actively work with a lot of cultural entities to kind of say like, we can give you a platform. I think we end up having the ability to provide a platform for discovery. And through that can really help to build cultural connections. And so that's always been our approach. And I see it more and more with hotels. It's fun to think that you had influence in that and that like our little steps have made bigger people see it. But I believe that I, I watched over you know, the last 10 years while we've really been growing more and more hotels kind of reacting to the local culture and trying to give people a platform and um, help to, I think, kind of, you know, bring a community into a space and share ideas and foster kind of cultural growth. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, building on that, what are the considerations that you really take into account when you open a new location, say, you know, if we use Toronto, Sydney, and Kyoto as examples. Okay, um, that's interesting. So when we look for a site, obviously, uh, you know, we're looking for international cities and, and places where creatives go. Obviously, Toronto falling into that city, obviously falling into that. Kyoto is the cultural center of Japan, and we find it a really interesting, and it's a very large city as well. So uh, each of these cities we identify on, on that side. And then we start looking at locations within those cities. And generally, we go to places that are not quite so commercial and prime. Most hotel companies will be like, I want to be at the corner of this and this, and this is where all the business is. We're not very good at that. We usually are not on the corner of this and this. We're usually a little off to there and over there and by those people. <laughs> so our neighborhoods tend to be a little different than kind of your typical commercial area, but I think that's part of the discovery. You know, if you go to the hotel in Toronto, you really actually find, oh, actually this is a funny location in a way that I don't think of, because uh, it's two steps away from just about everything. And that's actually really nice because we're right on a park, we have beautiful park views, and yet 
it's a little quiet, and yet I still have tremendous access to everything. So I think that's important as well. But it's still obviously like, you know, it's a hub of everything, you know, across the street from Spotify's office. Oh, tech is here, fashion is here. You know, all these creative industries are, are right around. And we find that same similar feel in, in Sydney, where we're in Surrey Hills, these kind of locations that are maybe seen within their cities as secondary, but to us are primary because it's really more where the creative minds go. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, each, each property has um, something that speaks to the community that it's within, but Overall, what's really the through line that connects all the properties together as you know, different as they may be? What's the common denominator that speaks to the collective voice of the overall brand? Yeah, well, I definitely think there's a soul feel of an ace. There's something that's probably instinctive, maybe to some extent, but intentional to much extent that we try and bring this desire to create First and foremost, a place where people discover things, so things that are unique, but also things that are kind of feel human, maybe, that are comfortable in the fact that they're neither overthought or overdesigned, but sort of fit in this place where they could have just evolved. Uh, I tend to use this term more residential than commercial, but it's, I think a little bit our soul comes from this idea that things are a little bit collected. So you have this sense that maybe this thing was put together over time. I think a lot of our hotels, it's hard to kind of say clearly built at this time, right? If you go in the lobby of our Toronto hotel, Sydney hotel is very much this way. You go and you're like, is this a new place or has this been here for a while? And I think that's nice because it really roots the buildings in in something that's, um, it has a certain heritage even where they are new. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And talking about this property specifically in Toronto, you know, when we went for a coffee a few weeks ago in the lobby, we were talking about the importance of point of view. What kind of perspective do you have with this property in particular? And what does it offer that, you know, the landscape did not have already or did not have enough of? Well, I think point of view really, really in important to what we do and everything we do and it, it if we're going to work with shim site club part of the reason we choose them is they have a strong point of view we, we know what they're going to do is going to resonate and they're going to you know produce something that is significant it's our job to work with them to say how does that point of view get translated into a hospitality environment because this is their first really commercial building but what what's wonderful about the building is it doesn't feel commercial at the same time and that's something that uniquely they brought. And, you know, they fought for their point of view. Development isn't always easy, um, particularly on an architect who cares. And people who have a point of view frequently care. And I think maybe that's why we like people with strong points of view. And so we try and do that in everything we do. So similarly, the restaurant in the Hotel Alder, we partnered with Patrick Chris, who's probably one of Toronto's great chefs. Again, a man of deep thought. I don't know if you've met him, but he's very <laughs> thoughtful and has really created an amazing restaurant. But again, within his point of view and all of that kind of stuff. And so we like to give people that platform. We see our hotels as places of kind of multiple authors. It's not just about us, but it's about people who bring things um, to the hotel. 
very much seems like a collaborative effort between community partners and, and the brand overall. Yeah, and I think we try and do that. And that might be how we work. Often people say, like, as I say, we're trying to localize it and make it like, well, what was Toronto? You know, and it's like, well, the, a lot of the artists are Canadian and a lot of them are Toronto-based artists. Obviously, Shim Sutcliffe is from Toronto. So all of these elements of the, the authors and all of that and the collaboration that come into it, they all bring pieces of their heritage and their culture into it, which kind of leverages that authentic kind of sense of Toronto without being like, oh, it's Toronto because, oh, one of the art pieces is the lake, which, by the way, one is, is the lake. <laughs> a. Howard Sutcliffe did a very, very large mural out of ply that represents the the lake and the horizon. It's it's brilliant. It's not that literal, so you probably don't even notice it if you're in the space in that sense. Um, you appreciate it, but you don't like notice, oh, that's the lake. But we have a lake view. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and if we rewind, you know, back to the 90s, what was the original vision when the ACE was founded with, you know, the first property in Seattle? What was the intention? And what was the point of view back then, I guess? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we're probably one of the largest gay owned and operated uh, hotel companies out there. And gay friends who had a lot of different um, I'd call them serial entrepreneurs. They had a bunch of different businesses running from hair uh, salons to clubs to nightlife venues to marketing agencies, restaurants, all of this kind of stuff. And they were bringing people up to Seattle and, and finding like, oh, it's kind of weird. You either have to stay in like a Holiday Inn kind of brandy kind of thing or you have to stay in super luxury uh, there's nothing kind of interesting in between that kind of the creative people like. And so they're like, okay, well, we rent this building and we'll make it into a hotel. Our core comes from our founders and their kind of view on how you build a hotel for friends. So in many ways, you know, I think successful brands are really built for a target client. And in our case, it's kind of easy because our target client is our friend. So if you build a hotel for your friends, it can feel very good. And so everything we've done since then is really kind of think about the customer and their wants and, and what makes traveling interesting for them. We talked a little bit, I travel all the time and travel can be boring and can be kind of generic and dull. And so what we try and do is make it a place where you can actually make friends and you can socialize and, you know, actually, even if you're pounding away at your laptop in the lobby, you have a sense of being in a place that's interesting and active, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's, I think it's a really interesting opportunity to create a social environment for hotels so you don't feel like you give up your life when you travel. Mm -hmm. but kind of, it, it adds to your life. Yeah, yeah. And how do you think the Ace Hotel brand reinvented or offered something unique in terms of how to build, open, and operate hotels uh, within, you know, the hospitality sector? Uh, that's an interesting thing. Um, and definitely a lot of what we do as far as um, the idea of creating a cultural hub or using the, the lobby and the public areas of a hotel as a place of change and discovery and everything does actually work and I, I think the customer really 
enjoys that environment and it adds a lot to their experience. And I believe people see that because even uh, my husband is a hotel designer and when he goes to his brand orientation at Four Seasons, the head of design at Four Seasons says, well, we're trying to capture something like Ace Hotel in the lobby. <laughs> I got to say, it's like Four Seasons is saying they're trying to capture the Ace Hotel in the lobby. I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, um, yeah, not so bad. Not a bad position to be in. And truly flattered. And their hotel lobbies look nothing like ours. But I think they're speaking to that idea of connectivity that you can create in environments. Um, and so, yeah, I think some of what we've done has probably leveraged at very different levels of things. What we've always found actually interesting, I've always found when doing hotels that are really focused on the experience and, and the people, you connect up to the luxury in a way easier than to kind of more the chains. Because luxury hotels have always, whether even if it's Four Seasons, is a chain and luxury, but they've always had to provide something unique to show that differential. And so I think they're much more anxious to kind of look at the uniqueness and incorporate it. From your experience within your your role and also your career path, what does good hospitality look like to you today? Because, you know, a lot of things have changed. Uh, you know, we're just coming out of hopefully coming out of the pandemic. You know, uh, the traveler and the culture around the consumer, they're much more informed. They're much more aware, much more dictated by their values as well. So. How do you think, what, what defines good hospitality to you today? Well, I agree with that. I think the expectation of hospitality has changed a lot with the expectation and the understanding of service and servitude. People's values have changed, and I think they have more respect for others today, which I think is great. <laughs> and, um, and also, I guess, also as people evolve, that they travel a lot more, and travel is a regular thing to people. So there are interesting things. We've always had bell, bell people and door people and all of that kind of stuff. But today, people don't need help with their luggage. They've already programmed their travel around wheels and ability to get their luggage to and from and keeping their bag small so that they can check it and whatnot. So yeah, no, no steamer trunks. <laughs> yeah. So what you think of is traditional, like a bell person at the front door to grab your bags and walk you to your room. Guests have no such expectation. And I think that's actually a really interesting understanding of like people's expectation of service today. I think people have learned largely from airlines that self-service sometimes is way better than service. I think people really feel strongly that it's access to service as opposed to like the trappings of servitude. Like I don't think they want anymore ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen they want the access to what they need one quick kind of like i need somebody to carry my bag my bag is carried but i don't want people asking me three times can i take your bag can i take your bag can i take your bag that's almost annoying yeah um and so what we find is like we want to make sure that we have really easy access and we do use technology to leverage a guest experience, but we always make it as a redundance option, right? 
So for instance, in a lot of her, our hotels, and it's something we certainly learned through COVID, we now allow you to order room service on your phone rather than having to like call and get a room service person and all of that kind of stuff. There are a lot of good reasons for that. It goes to the kitchen faster, it gets to your room faster, all of that kind of stuff now. And no one enjoyed the experience of calling down and trying to get room service and getting a, sorry, we'll call you back or the line is busy or whatever. Um, now I know my order is right. I put it in. If I wanted extra ketchup, I asked for extra ketchup and I, can get it. you know, we still have the button on the phone. If you want to still call room service, you still can, but the modern traveler sees it as a convenience. We've been taught that it's like a lot easier to just make our order on a phone than it is to call someone and try and communicate with them. And then you kind of feel like maybe they weren't listening fully or did they get that? Did they understand I wanted extra ketchup? Now I feel like I put it in there. I know I saw my receipt. It's there. So those kind of moves, uh, we feel strongly. Weirdly, we're an analog hotel company, <laughs> but we have a pretty good tech background. And the reason I say that is because we still feel like things are built and made by humans and feel better when they are. So I think even though I will say we will use tech to make everyone's life easier to the extent that's what they're looking for, I think we're always going to be a little analog. Yeah, yeah. And I'm curious, what was your first job in the hotel hospitality industry? What was like the entry point or the origin story for a fledgling Brad? Okay, so this is funny because I talked to you about like the difference today of service and servitude. And then I'll tell you my first job was certainly in the realm of servitude. <laughs> but my first job was I graduated from high school a bit early. So I graduated after my junior year and I had one year gap year between then and university. So I spent that time in Chicago and I worked at the Drake Hotel as an elevator operator. And so I literally had a little a little outfit with the cap and right stood in an elevator and went going up going down and that was my first job in a hotel business it was kind of funny but it was a great job I had to like chat with everybody coming and going and and I loved it now I, I halfway through my year there they installed buttons and I got pushed to the front desk which is my first promotion <laughs> but technology eliminated my job in my first realm so well, and now today you're the CEO and co-partner at the Ace Hotel Group. Um, and, you know, before landing that position, you occupied a few prominent roles in the hospitality industry. If I go through them, you were previously the vice president of operations for W Worldwide, CEO of the James Hotel Group, president of American Trade Hotel, and, and more. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned from those positions that have really helped you lead in your current position at the Ace? I don't know. It sounds like a, it's keep a job. <laughs> sounds like a fun job. It sounds like, I, I mean, I think it's a, it's a, it's a really incredible brand. So it's a, and obviously it, it requires the experience to be able to lead a global brand. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, for me, I, a lot of that came with my experience with W hotels. So early on, my friend, Diane Briskin was hired from a hotel. She and I, opened and developed in Los Angeles. And she was hired by Barry Sternlich as the marketing mind behind developing his new brand, which was W Hotels. And so I happened to luck out because she called me when they needed an ops person to start writing the policies and procedures for the first hotel. 
and asked me to move to New York and open the first hotel with them. So I got to really actually open and create the first W Hotel. And from there, I moved up through W and became the vice president of operations involved with kind of the first 20 hotels we did there and did run the global group of 20 hotels for a couple of years before leaving and founding my own company, which is called James Hotels, where we opened a ho developed hotels ourselves with a couple partners, um, one who founded Equinox Gyms and one who was a restaurateur. And we opened a series of hotels in New York, Miami, Los Angeles, Chicago, and eventually kind of sold that company um, to a larger hotel company. And so I was out of work when I met Alex Calderwood, who was the founder of Ace Hotels. And we started talking about Ace and Ace's potential to kind of grow as a international hotel company and he had opened kind of the seattle portland um and was in the process of opening palm springs in new york and so we kind of partnered together to kind of create the ace hotel you know today the ace hotel is like if we're talking about toronto as an example you said it's been six years in the making obviously we've had the pandemic um impact every sector but especially hospitality and travel and hospitality has had uh, a devastating few years because of the pandemic. What have you learned about being agile and innovative when these kinds of disruptions happen? Um, and how did you pivot and make decisions quickly or not make decisions because of, of the last few years? Yeah, so many interesting learnings, obviously, for everybody through COVID. Um, I guess in one ways I've been tested frequently on kind of the challenges uh, in my life, I was running a hotel in Los Angeles when they had their largest earthquake. I was uh, running a hotel in New York when 9-11 hit. Um, so I'm big wow. on how to get through these things. I think that actually is interesting because it always gave me a certain approach in COVID, like everything will be okay. <laughs> right. And a lot of doomsayers were like, the hotel industry will never recover. And, da -da -da -da. and now today hotel industry in most places that are open to travel is doing numbers similar to in some cases even better than they were in 2019 pre-COVID. So I am a believe a big believer in everything will be okay. You have to be confident on that and you have to build. Now there's a lot to learn with that. And I think a lot of things, particularly as I was saying, like the ease of technology and you know, the concept of hands-free was big in COVID. Nobody really wanted to touch anything. Uh, there was actually a time in COVID, remember, when we used to, like, not take our packages in because we wanted them to sit for 24 hours before oh, we yes. them. And we would go to the grocery store and wipe everything we bought and all these kind of things. Um, and so I think COVID did push a lot of really good technology into the hotel industry that I think helps guests and makes it easier and easier to travel. And so we're really kind of trying to take those learnings and keep them going into the future. But we've always been confident in that travel is something that humans enjoy and crave and all of that kind of stuff. And I think you see that now. There's pent up demand. People are going everywhere. The airports are crazy. If Pearson has a problem, it's that there's too many people coming, not the other way around. So yeah. I definitely think travel is here to stay and the world gets more and more global. It just becomes essential. Half the people I know are in Europe this August. So I, I'm, I mean, I've, I know 
on two hands can count people that I know that have gone to Italy in the summer alone. So it's true. I mean, just building on that, how important is or what role does something like optimism play in your line of work? Oh, well, I think we have to always have an optimistic view. Our projects are always at least two years long. Um, so we're always looking into the future. I am a huge believer in everything is cyclical. This also kind of pushes that concept of everything will be okay because it just goes through cycles and it will get back. And I think I'm not a big believer in doomsday kind of thing. So, but travel in itself, I think, is optimistic. It's, it is the idea of discovery and discovery is promise and hope, right? Yeah. So the great deal of optimism in what we do and I believe it's a driver in our entire office. Uh, it's a, a group of very optimistic, we can do things. And so that allows for more trial, I think, and more experiment and creation because people can be optimistic and think there is an opportunity and we can do better and we can change things. We don't have to do everything the way it's always been done. Right, right. I love that. And as we return to travel and hospitality and experiences, what do you think people are going to look for in in that experience now? Has anything changed? Where is the focus shifted to? Or do you think people are just looking to return back to status quo and just the familiar and the comfortable? I think there's a lot of, we just want status quo. We want back to the familiar and the comfortable. But I will always argue the human connection is what people crave. It's interesting, I'm in Toronto now, and we're preparing, we actually have our grand opening party this evening. And we were kind of chatting with the team in kind of one of the pre-party pre uh, meetings this afternoon. And I said, like, everybody was like talking about all the stuff, we were like, plan this, and we got this, and this is happening, and this will happen in five minutes, and this will happen in 10 minutes, and then this will happen. And I said, <laughs> like, look, in the end, it's a party. and. People are coming to see the space and all of that kind of stuff. Get a drink in their hand and be nice and let them like you and they will be happy and they will love the hotel. That's all we have to do is we just need to connect. And so I really do believe that the truth is in the end, what people long for is that connection, that connectivity to others. And we can do that in every interaction with a, with a guest in the hotel and we can invite people in that they can connect with each other. And that's maybe a little bit the promise of our desire to create a place for discovery. Yeah, yeah. Um, looking ahead, where do you see hospitality going in the next five to 10 years? Do you see any major industry or cultural shifts or changes, whether that's influenced by technology or culture or community? What's exciting in terms of the near future? Yeah, I think the most exciting potential outcome of COVID may be this idea of work from anywhere. We are somewhat freed from the office today in a way that I'm not sure we ever would have without COVID. I think that allows for a level of travel that could be really interesting. And we're playing with in our office and studio about creative solutions for that. But I really look at the idea of like, I could go work in Italy for a month and I could go to Hawaii for the winter. So I think the, those opportunities probably for that ability to combine travel 
travel and a longer period of life and that ability to work from anywhere, I think is really something that we're going to continue to experiment with and see if we find the right solution for. But I think that's one of the most positive things that I can see that came out of the COVID trends. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you talked a little bit about luxury in, in our chat today, but what is what does luxury mean to you? Is it just about quality materials or ingredients or textiles, rich fabrics? What does it go beyond kind of like the, the textbook definition of luxury? I think in the past in, in the hospitality industry, as this combination between ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen, and the concept of excess. So marble everywhere, brass and shiny, and um, that idea of excess. And that probably isn't how we would define luxury. We have a beautiful luxury hotel called Maison de la Luz in uh, New Orleans. And that hotel is opulent and interesting and all of that kind of stuff. But if it's in excess, it's excessive ideas not necessarily of just opulence. But the way we look at at luxury really is rarity is maybe more than anything. And so things that uh, people haven't seen before and can learn from and that are special and unique, again, leveraging that strong point of view, but really something that isn't replaceable, I guess, to me. I can't just go somewhere else, I, so I have to go there, and it brings something very special to me. Now, that has to be combined with real service and, and all of that kind of stuff, but to me, uh, as I said before, to me, that's the people and the humans uh, and how we connect in that sense. Material is super important to, to luxury to me. It has to be real, but it doesn't have to be super fancy if it's really thoughtful, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's fancy through like real consideration. So it's considered details that make the difference. And it goes back to, again, perspective and point of view and, and being able to either tell a story or, you know, connect with community and culture, you know, where yeah. you are. Yeah. So we talk a lot about purpose and mission. And so, you know, just as we tail off here, what is your mission at the end of the day? What's the bigger picture for you, both personally and also as a company as well? Oh, I guess, you know, in simple words, it's to connect the world through discovery. I like it. You know, I, I think we just look at, at the opportunity of like how you bring it together. And I think that's what thrills us and, and, you know, really motivates us. I love it. Thank you so much for the wonderful chat and it's so nice to see you again you know congrats again on the opening of the hotel it is beautiful and i think it's made an impression already and i'm looking forward to seeing people engaging and and connecting yeah me too and i i, I hope people will come see it because it, sometimes when you have these conversations it sounds like so lofty but i think when you get in the space you're like oh actually maybe some of this is real so yeah Absolutely. Thanks so much again, Brad. It was lovely to chat and wonderful insights. Um, and I really appreciate your time. Great. Thanks so much. Hotels are so much more than places where we choose to rest our heads. Traveler or not, today they serve as cultural institutions, multi-hyphenate anchors within our communities that serve as a destination to break bread, share drink, 
collaborate, inspire, build, and forge cherished memories. There's a reason why they so often serve as backdrops to our most iconic moments in business and culture. Brad has a long pedigree of excellence in the hospitality industry. As someone leading one of today's most admired and beloved brands, he's found the secret sauce to what it takes to not only nourish a thriving brand, but also position one as a leader within the community. In his role, he's encouraging his contemporaries, hotel owners, architects, artists, business owners, to ask what purpose a hotel, or any business for that matter, plays in a modern society. How can we go beyond our primary utility and function to be of service to our people and move culture forward? To inspire collaboration and wonder? It's a question we should all be asking ourselves. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the word out. To keep up to date, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, ask yourself, what's your mission?